So let me tell you a little bit of history about the book of Ephesians. If you, if you don't know about this or you, you're kind of newer to the Bible or maybe you're just new with us, this is your first time in church, first of all, welcome. So glad that you are here. If you're here just like kicking the tires and trying to get everything figured out, you can come and kick the tires all you want. Like we are, we are thankful that you're here. But Ephesians was a letter that Paul wrote. We call it a book of the Bible, but it's really a letter. And it's nicknamed kind of the a lot of scholars say it's the queen of the epistles or like the queen of the letters because it was such, it was so important. Actually, when Paul wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, when he wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, it was written to, in order to be copied and sent around to other churches. Uh, but this, this book, is, it's only six chapters long, so we'll be in it for six weeks, and it's very theologically deep and rich and has a lot of truths in it. And you can read the whole thing in about 30 minutes, but it takes a lifetime to really understand everything that's inside of it. Just a little bit about who Paul was also. Paul was uh, an apostle of Jesus. He really lived his life after he got converted to Christianity, when he met Jesus, uh, he lived his life as a missionary, and so he would go and travel to different places, and he would start a church here, and then he'd leave and go start a church here. And Actually, the church in Ephesus, where this letter was written to, uh, you can read about this in Acts 19. So we get to see kind of when Paul went there and started this church. And then he would leave and, again, start another church. But he wrote this while he was imprisoned in Rome. So he, you have to kind of get in his mindset, in his perspective. He didn't know how long he was going to live, and so this is a very important letter. He wrote a couple, actually, letters uh, while he was imprisoned here, too. But this one's very important, and it's a little different than the other letters that he wrote because if you know your Bible and you've read through some of the other letters, what you see in there is that Paul will talk to some people, in, some individuals. He'll write to the church as a whole. But then he'll also talk to some individuals like, hey, I hope you're doing well and I'm praying about this one thing for this Bob over here. You know, he's, and he's kind of picking out people. But in Ephesians, he doesn't have any of that. And that's because most people think, most scholars believe that this letter was supposed to be of such high importance. It was sent to the church in Ephesus to be copied and then sent out to all these other churches. So you've got to really take in the words that Paul is saying here. Now, our theme verse that we're talking about, now, this wasn't Paul's theme verse. He didn't say, hey, here's my theme that I'm, I'm picking out. But we, what we picked out is from Ephesians 5.2. And if you have your notes, you can follow along here. We're going to read this every week. Every week, we'll, we'll get this. So you'll, you'll know it by the end. But uh, Ephesians 2 says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to God. Live a life filled with love. We, all do, we just do that really well, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we miss that pretty often. Paul's challenge here to us is, is huge. Live a life filled with love. And I, I'd like you to think about this. Rick kind of challenged me with this even too when we were talking about it. He said, this, a good thing to do is whenever you're reading through this is when you read live, live a life filled with love, think, do I do that in my own life? Like if I went and asked your coworkers and your family and say, what is, you know, if you went and asked mine, what is Taryn filled with? What is he filled with? And they, they might say, oh, I mean, it could, is it anger that you're filled with? Are you, are you kindness? Maybe it is love. Maybe some people would say that, you know, ask your family or something. Maybe it's football. Like I'm filled with football, you know. But Paul challenges us to be, to be filled with love. And then he qualifies what that love is. He says, love just like Jesus and it's this sacrificial love. 
It's love that's so big that it means that any of someone else's needs, wants, or desires, I would view as more important than my own because that's what Jesus did for us. And I got to say, I fail at that. I'm pretty miserable at that. You know, that, I don't get that right most of the time. And I would venture to say that you probably don't either, that this is something we miss. And so Paul is teaching us in each of these chapters, he really teaches in a different way, how do we live a life that's filled with love? In chapter one, what we're going to just kind of dig right into, it's about knowing your position, about knowing your position in Christ and really understanding that. So I want to get into it. We'll talk more about what that means by position, but you just follow along. We're going to start reading Ephesians chapter one, right here at the beginning, verses one and two. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. That's a pretty standard greeting that Paul would write in his letters. There's only one real difference is he doesn't always call himself an apostle. He, he writes it in this time, and so you got to kind of take note of something like that when you see it. Apostle was uh, really, really the, a better translation of this or a better understanding to put it in today's terms was like an emissary or ambassador. It was actually used pretty often to mean like a captain of a ship would be an, uh, be an apostle if he was on a ship, leading a ship on behalf of a king. So it's somebody who was sent with a message or sent with something on behalf of someone else's authority. So Paul is saying, I have, a lot of, I have some authority in this, but it's not on my own authority. It's on the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm an apostle of Jesus. And so the, I think Paul's saying this because he wants you to know, like, listen to the words that I'm about to say. These are really important. You, know, like, you, need, to, you need to take heart to these. Like, understand what I'm saying here. Write them, memorize these, put these, you know, put these in your mind. Know that what I'm saying is from God. And then we get into... Ephesians uh, 1, 3 through 14. Now, I got to kind of explain this first because this, this can be one of the most confusing sections of Scripture. This is a highly debated even section of Scripture. I'm glad Rick gave me this one. Thank you, Rick, for that. Yeah. Uh, but no, this, uh, it's very uh, kind of a confusing one. 3 through 14, it's 12 verses that we have. But when Paul originally wrote this, it was only one sentence. Like, if you try to do that in English class on an essay, it would not work. It's like 220 words long or something. I mean, it, it's, it, it's one very long run-on sentence. I'm sure a lot of commas or something. I don't know, but it's only, I'm telling you, it's just one sentence. But I think that's because Paul was so excited about it. I think he's just kind of like rambling on. Uh, he's talking here about the blessings, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Like, here's what you have when you belong to Jesus. And many scholars believe that Paul actually wouldn't write the letters, not all the time, but he wouldn't write them. He would actually speak them, and a scribe would be writing it for him. And so you, you can kind of just picture him like, you have this in Christ, and this, and this, and this, and he's just you know, going on and on and on. And so I'm going to try and read. We're going to read this all the way through, and you'll just have to like take it in. Okay, it's a lot here. Don't worry. We'll go back over it here. But, uh, and try to picture this really as one long sentence. It's crazy. It did't, I don't know why he would do this, but it doesn't make, it, it, he's just so excited about it. Okay, we're going to read it all. So just like buckle up, get ready. Uh, starting in verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. 
Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that, the, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is that plan. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Sentence still isn't over yet. We're still, still going. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he had purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Got to take a drink of water after that. That's a lot, you know. Paul kind of gives us, he doesn't just give you a, a cup here. He's like trying to take a drink from a, a fire hydrant, right? He pours out so much here. There's so much to take in. I'm sure uh, you just got it all right away, right? Uh, he, I, th I think it's because he's so excited about this, about what we have. You know, a, a lot of us have this idea that, you know, we, we get in this mindset that we give our life to Christ, we get saved, and, you know, that's great. And then it's like, all right, everything else I'll get to see when I get to heaven, and like, this is my life. All right, let's, let's move on. And we don't, we don't really take in really what God has blessed us with. And Paul is trying to get the Ephesians to understand you have so much more than what you even think that you have. These were all believers. These were all believers. Actually, the church in Ephesus was doing really well at this time. He writes, you read some of his letters, and you're like, I would not want to be a part of that church. They're, like, things are not going good. Paul is upset with them, you can tell. This one, he really is encouraging them. And he's saying, it's not like, hey, you need to do this better. It's like, hey, you're, you're doing this good, but you're still, there's still some things that you're missing. I'll, and I want to make sure that you know this. That not just, I don't want you to base the things on how you feel. I want you to base it on what I'm telling you, what the truth is about your condition. Because a lot of times we live our life in Christ. We, we think, okay, we're saved, and that's good. I've given my life to Jesus. And then, like, what, what else? What, what's next? And we miss out on a lot of the big picture that we have right now. There's a story that we have, kind of goes along with this, illustrates this point a little bit. There's this, there was this couple who was going to go on a cruise, and they didn't have a lot of money, and so they saved, saved, and saved for many months, years, uh, saved up, and they were able to go on this cruise. They were so excited about it, and they decided, you know, when we go on the cruise, we don't have money to do all the maybe frivolous things and go to the shows or whatever, all, you know, all the things when you stop at the different places. And so, like, you know what we're even going to do? We're going to go and we're going to just, we'll even pack our own lunches. We don't even care. We're just glad to be together. We're going to take some PB&J Doritos. I don't know. What do you take? I, uh, uh, but they're going to they're pack their lunches and, and go. And so they go and they're like three days into the cruise and the captain sees them eating out of the sack lunch. And he's like, hey, did you... 
is there something wrong with the dining hall? Like, did you not want any of the food that's in there? Like, oh, no, 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 we're fine, we're fine. You know, I'm, we're trying to save some money. And he says, what? what? Don't you know that's included in the price of the ship? And this is the way it is for us in Christ. When you give your life to Christ, there is so much that's included with that, but we don't live within that a lot of time because I think it's a lot of times because we don't feel like it. Not like we don't feel like it, because we don't feel it. We don't, we don't feel like we have all these blessings. And Paul's saying, I want you to live within the facts that you do, of what you do have. So I, I, I want to use a little illustration for this. I always like bringing stuff on stage just to make it, you know, kind of more fun. You don't have to just look at me the whole time. So, uh, Okay, so um, this right here is you. Not that, not that. This is you, um, representing you. You look good. Have you lost weight? You know, new haircut or something? So this is you, and you are, you are in Christ. I'm going to need a bigger table. No, I'm, I'm good. So you are in Christ. Now, uh, for those of you who are amazing Bible scholars, where were you before you were in Christ? In the world? In, I heard somebody say in sin. You were in sin. Like, before you were in Christ, you were just, you were just in sin. You were, you were kind of hanging out over here. And just as a side note, these are the only two options. To, like, you're either in Christ or you're in sin, and you can do all that you can think of to do over here. You can read your Bible a lot, and you, I mean, you can, we can throw a Bible in there. or some. You know, you can even listen to worship music, and you can go to therapy or yoga or whatever you think that, that you think is going to help you or listen to the right podcast or something. I don't know. But there is nothing that gets you out of here except for Christ, Amen. right? There's, there's nothing. There's no other hope out of that. So you were in sin, and now you are in Christ. But when you're in Christ, there's, there's things that come with that. And these, I don't even know where these came from. These are weird little things. But these are going to represent the blessings that we have that while we're in Christ now, I, so I have. If you turn onto the back of your back of your uh, outline on, on your notes, you can fill this in if you'd like, or just follow along and listen. That's fine. So I want to go over. Here's some of the blessings that you have that you're in Christ. Now I don't have I don't have all of what Paul wrote here. All the blessings that he had. I, I don't have an exhaustive list of like here's all the blessings that you have in Christ. I actually don't think Paul was giving us an exhaustive list here. I think his point of this run on sentence was that there's so much in Christ that you, you can't even fully comprehend all of it right now. You, know, you can't even understand all of it. So I'm going to go through. I just picked out a couple things that I thought really stuck out. And you just, just follow along. We'll kind of go through these quickly. But number one, what you have in Christ, one of the spiritual blessings in Christ. And I have to say, in Christ is important before I get into this. Uh, sorry, I'm backtracking a little bit. In Christ is important. When, when Paul, in this verses 3 through 14, our long run-on sentence, Paul uses the term in Christ or in him or united with Christ, which really mean the same thing. Um, he uses them over 10 times. And that's important because when it, it, he's saying since you don't belong to yourself, since you don't belong to the sin and world, you are in Christ. You and Christ are one. So when God looks at you, he doesn't look at you and your filth and your mistakes and all the things that you've done. He looks and sees Christ in us. He's saying, since you are in Christ, there are things that you have that you, you may not see yet, but you do have them. Okay, so here they are, or here's at least some of them. Number one, you are chosen. Chosen. Verse four says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. 
in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. This language is the same language that's used in Deuteronomy chapter 7. It's a great verse. You should go read it. Deuteronomy 7. Uh, God uses the same language about I chose Israel as a nation. And now he's using this, Paul is using the same language to apply to the church today. That God chose us. He picked us. And even in Deuteronomy 7, he says, God's saying, I didn't choose you because you were the most numerous. It's like, I didn't, I didn't choose you because you were wonderful or good looking or because any of the reasons that you, these worldly reasons that you might think that the reason I chose you because you're so high and mighty. No, I didn't do that because, but it's just because I loved you. I chose you because I loved you. That's, that, that's, that's simply it. That's why. Number two is you are purchased. Purchased. That's a good one. Write that one down. Purchase can be, you know, bought. Uh, the, the original word for this that Paul said was actually closer to the word ransom. That you are, you are ransomed. Um, this is the same language that is used whenever the Israelites were freed from slavery in Egypt. Then put the blood of the lamb on the door, which if you don't know that, signifies the blood of Jesus. That sets us free later in the New Testament that we read about. But th that we are ransomed. Paul gives us this picture of, like, we're, we're tied up in a chair. You know, we've been kidnapped, and we're tied up, and we can't get escape. And no matter how much we try with our own intellect or strength or might or power, there is nothing in us that can get us. We cannot free ourselves from this until someone comes in and ransoms us. Someone comes in and purchases us. And this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He steps in and buys us he, 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 with his blood that he shed on the cross. He took our place. He ransomed us. The next thing is forgiven. We are forgiven. So not only did God buy us, not only did he ransom us, but then he didn't hold it against us. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, we do this. Whenever we do something really kind for somebody, we won't say that we're holding it against them. But a lot of times we just still, we kind of think it like they owe me. We know they come on, come on, they owe me. All right, and this is not, this just isn't how God works. God purchased us, and then the slate is clean. When we give our lives to Christ, there's not anything we owe. We have, we have a debt that we can never pay, but God isn't looking to fulfill that. We, you know, looking for us to pay that back to Him. We can't. And so we're forgiven. Number, number four is revealed. Now, this is kind of a strange one here. Revealed, not that we have been revealed, but this comes from verse 9. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. This word mystery is used really many, many times in the Bible. And it talks about this, the mystery, and it's really talking about who Jesus is. That in the Old Testament, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that uh, people didn't really, they knew the Messiah was coming. They didn't really know who he was or what that was all about. Didn't have a full understanding. And now it's been revealed to us in Jesus that we know who this is. My prayer actually as I was going through this was that it would be revealed to some of you today. That, that Jesus would be made known to you about who he is. But it's not hidden from us. It's not a secret. We don't have to go figure it out. It's very plain in the Bible who Jesus is, that Jesus is that Messiah. Number five. Number five, appointed. Appointed. Now, it, some of your Bibles, if you look at it, it says chosen again. And it's, but it's a different, it's a different uh, the Greek word is, is, is a little different. The first word is more talking about you're chosen to be in God's house. And this one is more you're chosen for a purpose. You have a plan. God has a plan, a purpose for your life. You have been appointed to a task. Number six is guaranteed. 
guaranteed. Verses 13 and 14 say, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. God gave us the Holy Spirit whenever we believed, and it is a guarantee. The, the word that's closest to this means a down payment, like layaway or something. Like God put a down payment for you when you gave your life to Christ. He put the Holy Spirit in you, gave you that as a down payment, and then you would receive the fullness of it in eternity. But a down payment. And then the last one, this one's my favorite, is predestined. Predestined. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you know that this is like, this is, this is a big word right here. This can mean many different things to many different people. I told Rick, because it's a very controversial word in a, in a lot of ways. I told Rick that I'm just going to talk about predestination the whole time. That's, that's all. I'm, I'm just going to stay on that the whole time. He was like, oh, I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, but, but predestined. And uh, there's, there's some circles who think that, that this means that God before time looked forward and saw people and said, I'm going to, this person I'm going to create and I'm going to send them to heaven and this person I'm going to create and I'm going to send them to hell. And I think that is just a poor translation of this. If you read it, it said that God predestined for adoption. Well, who did he predestine in verse 13? Remember, this is all one sentence. God predestined those who believe. Those who believe. He decided in advance, whoever believes in Christ will receive adoption. So let me explain it this way. So let's say that next week, or I said today that, okay, next week service starts at 10 o'clock like it normally does. I didn't know some of you knew that it starts at 10. Anyways, no, it starts at 10 o'clock, but at, at 9.50, I'm sorry, that was a cheap joke right there. I, I'm, I'm a terrible person. Um, you know, but at 9.50 for every person, I'm going to predestine that at 9.50, I have a gift for those who are in this room. At 9.50, I will have a fresh Krispy Kreme donut. There'd be a lot more people here at 950, wouldn't there? There'd be places where I'd like, wow, it's full already. That's amazing. But I, I decided in advance that whoever's in here will get a donut at 950. Now, you can choose to come and accept that donut, or you can choose to deny that donut. Maybe you're like, I'm, I'm doing a gluten thing. I don't know. You know but, but you can choose to deny that. I decided in advance, though, what I'm going to do. And this is what God is talking about. This is what Paul is talking about. That God, in advance, decided that everybody who believes in Jesus, I have a gift for them. And what is that gift? That gift is adoption. The gift is adoption into my family. So if you decide to believe in Jesus, if, if you are in Christ... This is one of the blessings that you have is adoption. Now, adoption is a, this is a big word. It's an important word. This is an important word to me. I, my, my wife and I, if you don't know much about us, we're foster parents, and we've been fostering now for a long time. I don't know, <laughs> a decade, I think, at least. And we've had the opportunity. God has really blessed us and our family, and we've had the opportunity to adopt we're at five that we've adopted now. And it seems like a lot because it is a lot, okay? It, it, every day it feels like a lot. No, so we have two biological children and then we have five adopted children. And we, we feel so honored and blessed because of that. But adoption means a lot to us. To me, I, I ended on this one. This isn't even in the right order because this predestined is like in verse five, I think. Um, but this one, this one is so important to me. 
about the idea that you are disconnected from God and you are an outsider and then God loves you to the point of forgiving, buying you, forgiving everything and now you are my family. And you don't undo that. You know, when, when somebody's adopted, they're, they're there. They're, they're a part of the family. They're completely in. Adoption means a lot in our culture and in our society. Sometimes the words... Because you want to look back, and when you're really studying the Bible, you want to look and say, well, what did it mean? What did adoption mean when Paul said it, though? Because it can mean something different, right? Words can change and kind of lose or gain meaning. And I, I want to read this to you. I thought this was, this was just so impactful. And I have it on the screen, I think, for you next. Um, maybe not next. Forget it. Uh, uh, but it says, if you can, I think if you can go ahead to it. Oh, no, there it is. There it is. We're good. Uh, this is from William Barclay, who wrote a commentary, and uh, it says, um, in Roman tradition at this time, and that's important, Roman, because Paul, if you don't know, this was a Roman citizen, so when he's writing this, this is where his mindset. In Roman tradition at this time, when adoption was complete, it was complete indeed. The person who had been adopted had all the rights of a legitimate son in his new family and completely lost all the rights in his old family. In the eyes of the law, he was a new person. Now, pay attention to this. So new was he that even all debts and obligations connected with his previous family were canceled out and abolished as if they had never existed. This is what Paul says that God has done for us. We were absolutely in the power of sin in the world. We were over here. And God, through Jesus, took us out of that power into his power. And that adoption cancels and wipes out the past, and we are made new. We have passed from the family of the world and of evil into the family of God. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's, that is good news. If you hear nothing else today, I mean, stick on that for a while. That is good news. That God has taken us in. All of our debts, all of our obligations are wiped out of our old life. They're, they're all taken away. And I, I know whenever I'm here, here talking to, whenever I come in here and speak, I know that we have people who are here uh, for the very first time, people who are brand new, people who maybe, maybe you know nothing about Jesus uh, other than what you've seen on Facebook. And then I'm sorry if you have, because uh, don't, don't get your information about Jesus from Facebook. Hey, go to the Bible. Okay, but um, uh, you know, maybe you know very little about who Jesus is, and so this is brand new to you. And so there, I know there's more than one audience, really, that I'm talking to here. And then some of you are here, you know, you're here every week. You, you would have already gotten your donut this morning, right, at 9.50. Like you're, you're here. And so the, the first audience I just want to address is uh, maybe you are not in Christ, like, you, you haven't made that decision to give your life to Christ. Maybe you don't really know if you're in Christ. Like, you're like, have I made that decision? I, I don't know. Um, well, I, I just want to encourage you or challenge you to, to move and take that step. Uh, again, there is no way to get out of sin. There is nothing that this world has to offer except Jesus. Jesus is the only way to move from here to here. But then when you're in Christ... It, it's almost too easy because you think like, well, there should be something I have to do because I've done a lot of wrong. And that's, I'm telling you, it's not the way it works. You read the Bible. It's incredible. It's not the way it works. You get in Christ. You get all these blessings right at the entrance. You know, you get your dinner right at the beginning of the cruise. It's, it's included. And this is really just a matter of, of putting your faith in Jesus and putting your trust in him. That God, I, I can't pay for my own sins. 
I know that I need you. I know that Jesus is who he said he was in the Bible, that what Paul writes about Jesus is correct, and I want to put my faith in him. Now, you, now you make this decision right now while you're sitting here. This is something you, you just do in your hearts, do in your minds. We want to know about it, though, because we want to be encouraging you and praying with you, talking to you about baptism as a next step. So I would encourage you, fill out a card. There's cards that are in front of you. You can fill out a card and put it in the baskets as you leave. Um, but make this decision. Like, this is the most important decision to ever make. This is it. The rest after all this, I'm not saying it's easy after all this, but the rest after all this, you have all these blessings. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. Even when you mess up again, you're still redeemed. You're still forgiven. So make that decision today. The, okay, so the, the other audience I want to talk to is maybe some of you have given your life to Christ, but you don't feel very forgiven or feel very adopted. Um, maybe, maybe that's because of something you're struggling with, or like, I, I keep struggling with the same sin over and over and over, and I just can't seem to get away from it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and, and I think there's a lot of us that are in here. that it, it, We know our position is in Christ, but we don't feel that way. And I, I would tell you, the way that we feel is our condition. So that's our condition, where we are in Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's our position. So our condition may be out here because we may not, we not feel it very much or we may not understand it all or totally grasp it, but our position is here. And the problem with this is that too often we think that the condition that we're in affects our position. We think that the condition that we're in, that because I, I, I can't shake the sin or because of the things that I've done or because of who I am or I just, I'm feeling angry today or because of whatever, that God has removed us from our position and it just doesn't work that way. That's just, that's not in the Bible. Um, our, our position is still in Christ. And this is why this is so important because, and I think this is why Paul said it, is because Paul wanted us to live based on our facts and not our feelings. The Bible says the heart is deceitful. The world tells you, follow your heart. <laughs> and the Bible says, no, follow Jesus. Right? No, your, heart is gonna, or your heart will lead you astray. If you're not sure about that, go and come hang out with the teenagers for a little bit. And you will see, okay, like, like, their emotions and they're it, it, all over the place. You are grounded and rooted in Jesus Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul wants us to live inside of this. And know this. And I, honestly, I believe this is the, uh, the last blanks that I have. For your condition to change, you must understand your position. For your condition to change, you have to understand your position. And, uh, and really, when, we get our, when, we, when our condition and position are completely lined up, that's heaven. That's going to be eternity. It's because we know we'll be fully in Christ and we will feel fully in Christ. Right now, we're still caught up in the world. And that's just, that's just an, another side of this, too, to help change our, our condition. We have, to, we, have to know our, we have to understand our position in Christ and the blessings that we have. Um, but also, it, it's, it's about trying to stay away from the world as much as we can. Because the world just pulls, us, you know, pu pulls our head farther and farther away from Christ. This is what Paul wrote at the end of Ephesians, the, or the end of the first chapter of Ephesians. You know, he has his long run-on sentence that we read. That I'm sure we'll have to go and reread a couple times because we didn't get it all. Uh, but at the, after this, he goes on and he says, I just want to read this to you. It's Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. 
It says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand, and I love this, so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are rich in his glorious inheritance. Paul, in this prayer, is asking God to help people to, under, to, to line up their position and their condition. Saying, I hope that you, know, I pray you know him more, that you understand him more, the inheritance that you have in God with the glorious hope that God has called you to. So you can see yourself as here and not outside of here. So you can see yourself in Christ. And I just want you to imagine if we did this really well. That even on the days that we didn't feel it, if we as a, a group, uh, you know, a church of 300 or 400, however many, that we woke up every day and know that, okay, today I, I'm not really feeling it today, God, but I know that the facts of the Bible, of your word, that I'm rooted in you, that I belong to Christ, that Christ belongs to me, that we are united together, I think our lives would look a lot differently. I think, as we talked about at the beginning, that we would be filled with love. It'd be a lot easier to be filled with love when you know that these are the facts of your life. It's a lot easier to be filled with love and for that love to pour out into other people, like what Paul said in Ephesians 5 too.